Welcome to Walking with the Archetypes, a podcast with lessons on life, love, and leadership. For more than a decade now, I've obsessively studied the King Warrior Magician Lover Archetypes, what I now call the Masculine Operating System. And in this podcast, I will reveal their secrets. So come now as we translate esoteric teachings into practical keys for how to rise in life. My name is Ivan Figenskevshelum, founder of Men's Initiation Reclaim You in a Throne. And it's time now to head outside and walk with the archetypes. Okay, so let's talk about something a bit esoteric today. We're going to be speaking about the Axis Mundi. So in this week where we're exploring some king-related themes and focusing in especially on blessing and the rightness of being me, the belonging, feeling I'm okay and intrinsically good, that there's nothing to prove. In that context, I'm going to zoom in a bit on one of the great mythological themes of human history, which is the idea that there is a place, a nexus point, where the heavenly energies of the divine meet the uh, middle earth, the profane space, the secular space, the day-to-day space. There is an upper world, there is a middle world, but in the Axis Mundi there is also an underworld. And As I've been exploring with you over the last couple of days and even further back, that there is something that is coming into the psyche of humanity these days that is a cult on some level. It is very anti-masculine, anti-Western values, anti-Christianity. And I want to give you a perspective on that that will bring a certain level of rightness with it. Not that it's going to be any easier, but it may make a lot more sense to you in terms of the evolutionary journey that we as human beings are on. So let me use the world tree from Norse mythology as the symbol here. Because the world tree is the axis mundi in Norse mythology. In other religions and mythologies, you may find that it's a mountain, you may find it's a pyramid, you will find that cities around the world have cathedrals and temples up on hills and at central places. All of these are symbolic of a certain gateway between the heaven and the earth. But not all of them has the connotations that there is also an underworld present. And that is part of the problem. Because what it's indicating is that the underworld is somehow excluded from the equation. It's been repressed. And so if you look at the world tree... In the upper world, you have the Aesir, and you have the the Vanaheim, 
and you have uh, Alfheim. So Aesir, they live in Asgard. And then you have the Vana gods and you, you have the elves, if I'm not mistaken. And then in the middle world, you have us, Midgard, surrounded by the, the great serpent. And then in the underworld, you have num a number of realms, Muspelheim and Helheim and Svartalfheim and so on. And it's very clear that there is a connection between the three. On the top branches of Yggdrasil lives a, a light eagle. Doesn't have a name for some reason, but on the bottom part of the tree, along the roots, you have the dragon Nidhogg. And between the two, you have the squirrel Ratatosker that keeps running back and forth. Apparently sending messages of abuse and taunting, and they, they don't like each other, these two polarities. And that seems to be the case in our present day as well. So, so then what, what you'll find is that the, the Aesir gods, they are battling the Jotun giants. And so that is one expression of a battle between the, the upper and the under. But then you also have Hel, the goddess of death, if you will, who is the who is the queen of the underworld where all of the dead live. The dead that weren't given a auspicious afterlife. They weren't sent to Valhalla or any of the other places that you could go. And so they live there in a grey existence with hell and the idea of course is that uh, Ragnarok will one day come and hell will bring all of the dead up from the underworld and battle the Aesir gods and that will be the end of things and uh, it will be the start of something new because the world arises as cycles of death and rebirth now hell obviously is connected to hell there's an etymological link between the Christian hell and the goddess hell. And basically what it indicates is that we have in Christianity as well as in Norse mythology and other mythologies, we have this setup where the upper and the under is in some sort of antagonistic relationship to each other. And in the Norse mythology, you see that even though you have beautiful, powerful goddesses in the upper world, such as Frey, Hel is a woman. And so there is an association between the feminine and Hel and the feminine and dragons, because Nidhogg lives in the underworld, yes? And then the fight against the bright masculine and in this time that we're living through symbolically what we're seeing is that this dark feminine energy from the underworld is saying enough we will not be repressed anymore 
we will come out from the dark now and we will flood into the collective awareness and we will have our vengeance. We will have our vengeance for millennia of patriarchal oppression. I don't believe this is a conscious and articulated topic for the various movements and ideologies that are spreading around the world right now. But symbolically speaking, it seems to me that this is exactly what is happening. Is that because there has been such a repression against the underworld energies, hell, literally hell in Christianity, and we associate everything that has to do with the womb of the earth with fire and brimstone. And so because the womb of the earth is the womb of a woman, then the feminine also becomes demonized. And so Christianity, this is the greatest sin of Christianity, it is that it has demonized the feminine. And you can only do that for so long before there is a repercussion in the collective psyche of humanity and we're right in the middle of it. So here is what I will have you consider, is that there is a thonic emergence, thonic being the underworld spirits, the underworld energies. They are coming out as the level of boundaries in our culture the the warrior boundaries are dropping then the the repression barrier between the middle world and the underworld is lifting and so all of the pain and all of the repressed feminine the, the moist, the dark, the night, all of that is starting to emerge. And a lot of us will feel that because we are on some level sensitive to these archetypal realms. And if you are particularly unboundaried psychologically, it is not unlikely that this emergence of the thonic forces will actually possess you. In and of themselves, these forces are not dark, they're not evil, they're not destructive. They're just feminine. They're just womb-like. They are deep, moist layers of soil in which the roots of Yggdrasil can grow. And we shouldn't be afraid of nutritious soil. We shouldn't be afraid of the night. We shouldn't be afraid of the feminine. Well, I don't think we should anyway, but I believe that we are. As a culture, we are, because we have been so conditioned by the language and thinking of patriarchy for, for the longest time. We have been conditioned to repress these. <sighs> so no wonder that we are in the mess that we're in. It would be entirely inappropriate to say that this is just because some woke cancel culture, death cult people are lost and crazy. They are actually an expression of an archetypal rebalancing between the three worlds along the axis mundi. And the underworld isn't just hell. That's a Christian idea that is designed to repress the feminine. It is designed to repress chaos with order. And this is where the pains of toxic patriarchy come from, you see. So, I want you to now consider 
the importance of the king being connected to these three realms, facilitated through the magician archetype. The king being a, uh, an avatar for the, uh, the axis along which the world is built and balances, if you will. So you have all of these nine realms in, in the Norse mythologies, Several several realms in the underworld and several realms in the upper and then it's us in the middle. And I consider it to be woefully inadequate to just look at what is happening in the world now with all of these troubling developments with cancel culture and wokeism and radicalized youth through radicalized professors and teachers in academia. I mean, all of these things are terrifying. But to view them as merely the insanity of the left is irresponsible. Because it's a response to the oppression of the masculine imbalanced psyche that for so long has been expressed by the political right. And the same battle has been happening between men and women. It's the same thing. For men, we can't deal with the underworld energies, and so we hide out in our head, in the fake upper world, in the dissociated place, and we don't want to feel the chaos of the world. And whenever our woman becomes chaotic, we want to repress her, we want to shut her up. But she's a creature of the underworld to some extent. And that's okay. That's not a that's not a condemnation. It's not a judgment. It's just describing a very real fact is that women are more connected to the elements by virtue of childbirth, by virtue of menstruation, by virtue of having a womb, which is like a cave, a human cave. Women have more underworld energies in them than men do. And so us as men, we need to come to terms with the uncertainty and unpredictability and the chaos of the feminine symbolically. It's not inherently bad. It is just different. And so right now, feel into that axis mundi. Feel into it. I have the sun shining straight on the top of my head. The underworld is below me. If you can feel that vertical axis, and you can feel that your spine is that axis mundi, and you can feel that the lower parts of the spine is the underworld, and the upper parts of the spine is the upper world, and at the center is the middle world, at the center is your heart. May you find a way to make the two extremities with the eagle at the top and the dragon at the bottom and with a squirrel darting up and down your spine. May you find a way to make these two antagonists meet in harmony inside of your heart. That is a beautiful thing when that happens, brother or sister, and I give you 
the full permission and the full blessings to discover that the three worlds are not antagonists, that they live in a sacred balance, and that the darkness that is now surfacing in the world is a darkness that has been suppressed for millennia, and that isn't intrinsically dark. It's just as we're trying to rebalance, as we're trying to come to terms with how much we have repressed the feminine, we are now seeing a very vicious, very dark, very violent expression of the feminine initially. But I trust and I believe that that will harmonize over time as men and women start to heal the relationship between us. It is okay. It is okay. It is how it's supposed to be in the grand scheme of the evolution of consciousness. This is how it's supposed to be. And may you know that today, that what is happening right now is actually on some level, on some cosmic level, absolutely perfect. And whatever responses you have to it are part of that perfection. May you enjoy that as a reflection for your day. And I wish you a wonderful day. Tomorrow I'm going to speak more about the Divine Child. And uh, I look forward to that. We'll be reading a little bit on Moses and Jesus and some other miraculous births today. And we'll be enjoying another beautiful day here up on the hill with the ocean down below and the trees all around me. Things are very good. Have a beautiful day, my friend, and I'll catch you again tomorrow. Thank you for joining me on today's Walking with the Archetypes. It's been a real pleasure to spend this time with you. And don't forget, you're invited to come walk with me every weekday, Monday through Friday. To go deeper with this masculine operating system, head over to MasculineOS.com for a comprehensive, free guide.